Hi there folks, this is the final episode of 2023, so I've decided that we're going out with a bang. And by that I mean, we're going to talk about fireworks, and pyrotechnics, and much much more. Joining me on the podcast today is my good friend Natalie Frew. She's been working with pyrotechnics for over a decade now, and was one of the first people I worked with when I arrived in New Zealand. This episode is going to be a cracker. You know, like a firecracker, because this is about fireworks and pyrotechnics. Welcome to the Event Debrief Podcast. We chat with the best event professionals to hear their story and discover what inspires them. From event managers, technical producers, and to the team still loading the truck at 2am. Our mission is to create a place to connect, share ideas, and elevate the Australasian event industry. Let's get into it. Okay, here we go. Natalie Frew, welcome to the podcast. It's so awesome to have you on. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? I am awesome. I'm awesome. It's uh, it's morning here and I'm having a coffee. And for, for all of our listeners, uh, Natalie and I have been working alongside each other in a wide variety of roles for over 17 years now. And she was one of the first people that I worked with uh, when I arrived in this uh, country, New Zealand. And um, last time we worked together was on a large award show in March downtown Auckland, New Zealand, but you're not in New Zealand. You're you're in London, right? I am indeed. I'm currently in the lovely suburb of Putney. Um, yeah, it's uh, 10 o'clock at night and yeah, hopefully I'm not making too much noise for everyone. <laughs> and I'm jealous because it's probably warmer than what it is here. Yeah, it is. It has. It was cold last week, like it was 12 degrees one morning, uh, which is pretty miserable for summer, but it was... Nice and balmy today, a bit muggy, yeah. Nice. I've got like four layers on, so. Yeah, and I'm in a singlet. <laughs> <laughs> Showing off. Love it. Awesome. Hey, so one thing I ask all of my guests, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? What was your introduction into the event world and perhaps your journey to where you are today? Yeah, I think I got really lucky. Like at high school, I was doing sort of like what's called tech crew. So doing the technical stuff, uh, like lighting and sound for the theater productions. And I went and saw the school careers counselor and I was like, I don't want to go to uni. What should I do? And she was like, oh, this job came in yesterday. And it was a traineeship with Staging Connections, which is where we met. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll apply for this. And so I applied for the job, interviewed, got the job. And then I had to sit my exam. So I didn't really try very hard. (laughs) my high school exams because I already had a job and then that was it I started at Staging Connections when they were doing traineeships so they uh, did like classroom work with us to start with and then we were buddies on jobs which I think is probably that I was probably your buddy on a job actually Um, and that was yeah then progressed through that uh, through meeting lots of people through the corporate world of events um, one of them was like, oh, I need some help on a gig. Do you want to come and give me a hand? And that was to do pyrotechnics. And I did that and I was like, oh, this is fun. And I remember saying to him, I was like, what do I need to do to do more of this? And he's like, oh, like you need a license, yada, yada, yada. Like there's permits, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, so if, like, if I help you out doing your permits, can you help me get my license? And he was like, yeah. So I started doing permits and then I got my license. And then uh, we were doing work for an Australian company, Howard & Sons, uh, who do big like fireworks displays. 
And I said to them, I was like, oh, hey, like if I move to Australia, will you give me more work? And they were like, yeah. So I moved to Sydney and started doing bigger shows with them. Then I was fortunate enough to go on a couple of tours. And I was like, oh, I think I like this. I want to do more touring. Then I was like, let's move to London. That, that's surely I can get work over there and then I can tour. And I did. I found a job with a company there and I got to start doing touring. And then COVID. <laughs> so <laughs> it all kind of went in the bin for a while. I came back to New Zealand for a bit. Like I've always done like corporate gigs and sports events and other bits and pieces to supplement the pyro. It's only really been in the UK where I've been able to do it full time and not have to supplement it with other things. So yeah, went back to New Zealand with COVID, stayed there for a while and then uh, managed to find a company in the UK, Strictly FX, who are an American company with a UK office and they've done my sponsorship and now I'm back in the UK and working for them. And yeah, it's great. Nice. And if I've got my timing right, I guess your latest trip to London, that is off the tail end of COVID. Is that right? Or is it? Yeah. Basically, I just stayed in New Zealand until I knew I could leave and then mm -hmm. came back over and was like, let's see if I can find a job. And luckily, um, someone who I had met touring, when I got in touch with him, I was like, oh, I haven't seen you in ages. We should get a beer. And he was like, no, you should call this company. They need people to work for them. And it all kind of snowballed from there because they were already doing their sponsorship license. So it all sort of all worked out. Amazing. Top tip for all of our listeners, networks. Yeah, Use your networks, definitely. lean on your networks. Yeah, That's so cool. So Nat, I want to talk to you about this, pyrotechnics. There's so many things that I just, I don't know. Uh, for our listeners, Nat's been involved with pyrotechnics for over a decade now and worked on some world-class events such as the Cricket and Rugby World Cups, Gold Coast Commonwealth Games and toured with amazing artists such as Adele, Muse and Kendrick Lamar, just to name a few. Can you tell us a bit about what's involved? Again, I've got so many questions. What's involved in a pyrotechnics display, such as, you know, like a New Year's Eve event? So uh, I've worked on a few New Year's Eve events in Melbourne. And in Melbourne specifically, we would be on 20 rooftops and we'd also have sites in four parks. So there'd be a team of about 100 people working for a week to set that all up. So you'd have like Christmas at home and then on Boxing Day, we'd fly to Melbourne and start the setup. And so you'd have some of that team would be experienced pyrotechnicians. And then some of that team would be people who maybe would just join us every year for New Year's. So they wouldn't do it during the year, but they'd done an event before, or maybe they were new and wanted to learn, but there's only like a handful of people that do it often enough that then sort of look after teams. So the four parks would be the bigger, like the shells kind of like if you were in how do I describe it? I don't know. Shells, maybe like you get them in different sizes, but like a six inch shell would go in a tube and go up. And those are those big ones you see in the sky. And like New Year's Eve, when you see pictures of the Sky Tower or the Eiffel Tower and all those things. Um, but then from the rooftops, we'd shoot smaller product. We'd usually have a team of like four to seven that would go to each rooftop and you'd carry it up. So some of the rooftops are great. Elevated it up to the top floor, straight out, you're done. Plug everything in you're on your way. Some of them you'd get to the top floor and then you'd have seven flights of stairs <laughs> to get to the roof. And then when you're on the roof, like if you've never been on a roof before, there's all sorts of shit up there. Like there's air conditioning units, there's yeah, all the stuff in the way. So you're like carrying these boards with explosives on them around. And then on New Year's Eve, everyone gets deployed out to each site and every site has a firing system and we do it wirelessly with time code. So you have time code coming in and mm. then in Melbourne, I don't know the name of the tower, but we have the main control system in the tower. Mm -hmm. And then, so high enough up, the wireless all goes out, time code comes in. And then if you're in the parks, you can hear the music. So it's called a pyromusical when it's all timed to music. Far out. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah, everything's got to be timed. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, 
Are you just on a on an RT going, oh, I'll do it now? Like- Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> oh. Some of the events you are. Some of the events the show call will say go. Sometimes you're taking your own cue. Sometimes you will have it to time code and you just watch it. All right. So where does the time code come from? Uh, a time code machine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think when we're doing it on the rooftops, it's like you basically plug in an RT, like a walkie-talkie, and the time code's transmitted into there, and that's how it Damn. gets it. But when you're on a stage, um, the time code guy gives you a time code feed, and every department would have a time code. Far out. The other thing that goes into it, which is also probably really important to mention, is so we spend that week on site, but the whole month beforehand, there'd be a team at the workshop who go around to all the different containers and pick all the different products and box it up so that you have a box for each rooftop. So it's all mm. sorted and prepared. So there's all of that behind the scenes that goes in before you even get to the setup, before you even get to the display. Yeah. That's, wow. that's mental. Far out. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely on a prep <laughs> goes on, eh? Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking before we start recording about, we totally forgot that both of us worked on the 2011 Rugby World Cup opening ceremony on the roof. And um, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, it was one of those ones where you get an elevator up to a certain flight and then you had to carry all this stuff up the stairs, up the flights of stairs to the roof. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And then I think at Eden Park as well, like once the match is on you, that's really, you can't always get the elevator to get back down. So we often used to carry it all the way down because <laughs> then you'd be straight into the loading dock and you'd like chuck the stuff in the bin and then you go in the van. And I'd done yeah. quite a few matches at Eden Park. And if we were really going fast, we could be out of there by halftime sometimes. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Far out. Uh, I do remember there was like, you know, that was my one and only gig, but um, once once all the pyrotechnics happened, the game was on. I remember like manhandling, you know, some of the pyrotechnics and, and whoever was our boss. These like, oh yeah, don't do that. That don't do that to those ones because they didn't fight. They didn't, um, you know, fire off. Ignite. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, ooh, yeah. Okay, I was fully like hugging it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy. Was that also the game where the crowd like went crazy because Sunny Bull's shirt ripped? Uh, uh, I mean, it was like was Thomas it Samoa, one? wasn't it? Oh yeah, maybe it was. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wasn't aware about that part. I think we were. It must have been a different game. That's awesome, man. Okay, um, so pyrotechnics does is it does that just mean fireworks or or does it cover all things like fireworks? And I know that there's things called confetti ca- cannons. So what does it? Yeah, what does it cover? Or just is it just one thing? So technically, specifically, if you're really getting into it, pyrotechnics and fireworks are different things, and then. I would call special effects kind of everything else. So your flames, your CO2, your confetti, all the other things that aren't an actual restricted item. So the fireworks are restricted, pyrotechnics are restricted, pyrotechnics smaller than fireworks. So depending which jurisdiction you're in, that's to do with how they're classified. But New Zealand classifies it like indoor and outdoor displays. But Mm -hmm. over here, it's more fireworks and pyrotechnics. But I find often on productions, people will just call you the pyrotechnics team, even if you're only just doing flames. They'll just say it's all pyro. But technically, they've got different names for different things. Yep. That'd be me, just not knowing. Oh, that well, if you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. Um, yeah, just speaking of flames, I've seen in some, you know, when, you, when you're when you at a footy game or rugby game or whatever and someone, you know, scores a try, there's like, 
bursts of flames just to, you yep, know, I that's guess. Me. Add vis- <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, do you look after yeah. that one? Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah. So um, what we typically use for that is a, a unit called a G flame, which is a gas flame, and it produces like a nice, there's no spray that comes out of everything like that. It just produces a nice plume of flame, I guess. It's probably not the right word. Um, but, yeah, you've all seen them on TV or at a match probably. And, yeah, they're all often like DMX controlled, run back to a desk at the end. Mm-hmm. Those ones you can do wirelessly as well through like a special controller. But yeah, they run off uh, either like a propane butane mix in a little um, canister like you would use on a camping stove, or you can run them back to an LPG bottle like you would for a barbecue. And, and, and you know, <clears throat> clearly with, you know, comes flames and, and all these other explosive things, there's there's a bit of safety precautions in here. Is that yeah. right? Like, yeah. like I'd, I'd assume heaps, heaps of Yeah, it definitely paperwork. is. Like you get very good at doing risk assessments mm-hmm. uh, and knowing like what distances things need to be from different objects to be safe and the environmental conditions as well that you need to consider if things are changing. Like what's, oh, so I'm working inside today. Oh, am I working in a confined space maybe? Like CO2, those jets that you might see at like drum and bass shows and stuff like that because that is just literal CO2. Yes. Plumes. But if you've got CO2 in a confined space, that then becomes quite toxic and you'll just fall asleep. Mm, so yeah. you've got to consider ventilation. You've got to consider how far away people are. Yeah, lots of things. A lot of, feels like a lot of, you know, a lot more th- thought and process needs to go into it compared to, I don't know, your standard kind of corporate or, or rock and roll show. Yes yeah, so and no. I think it's that if you've not been thinking in that way, then it feels new. But if you were to go and work for the catering department, you'd have a different set of things you had to think about. You have to think about dietary requirements. You'd have to think about number of people eating. And it's just a different, probably the same number of things you've got to think about, but different to what mm-hmm. you usually think about. Very true. Very true. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so awesome. I was, um, another thing we, we, you and I spoke about uh, offline was a big day out event I worked at. I was just the, the the cable guy helping the cameraman, and I think it was um, Ramstein. <laughs> so every other every other slot on the main stage was like, you know, on stage trying to get up, you know, get the camera up near the near the um, the artists and blah blah blah. And then it was like Ramstein's on. No one go on stage. I was like, oh, why is that? And there's just flames coming out the stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, they have like such an epic amount of flame that they do on their show. Um, I think it's actually um, one of the spotlight guys, Mike, I think toured with them for a while. Um, yeah, not as a pyro person or a flame person, but as a lighting person. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I've, epic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I guess that's so a good. thing that people always don't remember when they're using flame is heat's cumulative. So if you've got a couple of flames there and then like the more and more you put, the hotter and hotter it gets. So you've got a that's probably a consideration that I think sometimes gets forgotten. Yeah, right. And so, you know, when I don't know, there's a tour manager or, or you know, organizer or whatever, they're um you know, they're obviously organizing everything else, sound, lighting, stage, blah, 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 where crowd is. How when 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 are you brought in? Like are you like when do you they say, Okay, we want pyrotechnics uh when do the when do yeah when do you come in early on or later on and go okay this is the space I work with how does it that depends. really work yeah hmm. so some events it's right at the start creative know that what they want to do is have special effects and pyrotechnics and they get you involved from the get go other times people get to the end of the process and they're like oh 
we've got 10 grand left. What can we do? And then you get a phone call and you're like, well, where do I put this stuff? Like you've already designed your entire show and now you want to add some flames. And there's, well, I, if I put them there, you're going to scorch someone. Like it's, it can be quite difficult because it does feel like sometimes we're an afterthought. Mm. Bloody hell. <clears throat> That's the life we live in, eh? Yeah. In yeah. World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we've talked, you know, we've talked in other in other times about um, you getting you getting a, a permits and, and, and licenses. Um, yeah, what's involved in that? Is there like a governing thing that just says you're cool? You, we've assessed yeah. you and yeah. yeah. So in New Zealand, it's WorkSafe. You WorkSafe mm. give you a license to. They give you two. They give you a controlled substance license, which means you can be in possession of the product and move it around, and they give you a. Oh, I can't remember what it's called because it's changed its name recently but they give you a certified handler certificate, which says that you're allowed to set the stuff off. And on that certificate, there's different checkboxes depending on what level stuff you can use. So whether it's like a small shell or a big shell, whether it's indoor product, outdoor product, elevated work platforms, um, moving platforms on the water. And I think the only one I don't have ticked is aircraft. And I don't know what that involves. And I'd dearly love to have the box ticked. So somebody out there can tell me how I can get to do explosions out of aircrafts. That'd be amazing. I want to know about Your that face, thing. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what happens? Are you like James Bond dude out, out the bloody window? Well, I don't know. Well, so I want to know about I do skydiving as well, and I know sometimes they jump out of the planes with like flares attached to their feet and stuff like that, but I don't think it's that. Man, I want to know about that. That's bloody awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. That's another. That's another episode. Fucking hell. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> awesome. This might be a trade secret. I, I don't know, but where do you get pyrotechnics from? Do you make it or you buy it? From, what happens there? I think it depends. Um, so when I worked in Australia, the company that I worked for there used to make their own, but because of insurance, they now can't make them in Australia anymore. So they import a lot of their stuff from China or. There's also a couple of great companies in America that make really nice stuff and a couple of great companies in Europe that make really nice stuff. Uh, so a lot of what I do in the UK, because I project manage as well as go out on shows, is work out where can I buy the, py the pyro from and how do I get it where I need to go? Because there's only so many planes a week that'll fly dangerous loads. You're usually the first to get bumped as well. Um, yeah, and it's different. So there's a couple of suppliers in the UK that make them as well, but you have, I think you get your favorite suppliers sometimes cause they make like a color you really like, or they're really helpful and help you out. But then you have like, sometimes you're like, I've only got a week. What do I do? Like go to the storeroom and see what I can find. Far out. Speaking of that, like color and, and suppliers, like, you know, favorite suppliers, how do you know, how do you know what you're buying? Like, is there a catalog that says, oh, I want, want it to look like that? Yeah, so most of the big companies have websites and on their website you can go through and you can click on the product and then lots of them have a video of what it is. So you can go and see what it looks like. And the videos are all under test conditions, so it's like nighttime, really easy to see and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's all. Yeah, that's cool. Do you ever like, you know, once you receive it into the warehouse, do you need to <laughs> – do you need to let one off just to check? Yeah, you do like your batch test. Yeah, you make sure that you're getting what you expected and that it performs in the way you're expecting. So, yeah, it's like when, I love it. when, we were, when I was working in Australia for the Fireworks Company, we'd get like an entire container come in from China and we'd spend the morning unloading the container, sorting it all out and putting it away. And then later in the week we'd do a 
like a test evening and we'd let the local um, residents know that we're going to do it and they'd come and sit and we'd do like a mini fireworks display of all the different products to test them. And I think the coolest test I was involved with actually was when we were designing um, the display for the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games and we shot off all the different suppliers products next to each other at the same time and just seeing how different the same thing was depending on who made it Mm. and like the consistency as well like you'd fire one and we filmed it all and then you'd fire it again and so some of them hit same height every time same color every time some of them would be like this height this height that's like very very different things all right that's so cool can i can i come to one of these test things (laughs) maybe you probably could actually yeah i could put you in touch with the people that do them in Sydney, if you want to go out to Walera Wang, out past Lithgow. Mate, I was past Lithgow last week. As I was saying, it was negative yeah. three. It was yeah. amazing. I want to go to one of those. Yeah. I bet you might. Get in uh, touch. Get in touch with Howard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Message Sweet. Christian and tell him you know me and see what he says. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. man. That's cool. Yeah. That's like past the Great Dividing Range. Yeah. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Spent a lot of time <clears> out there. <laughs> Too yeah. much time sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I was out there. This is off topic. Um, just riding horses, and my my nine year old niece is like loves horses. So it was a birthday on the weekend. So yeah, oh, that's amazing. Know. Yeah, that would yeah. be wicked. It was yeah, so we beautiful to, out there. Um, because they had the factory there, but they also had um a farmhouse there. So if we were going out there for extended periods of time, I could stay in the old farmhouse. Um, but one of the kids had done a science experiment for school where they had to hatch eggs into chickens. So there was like these six chickens out there in the hen house. But in the afternoon, they'd come and find me in the factory because it was like dinner time and they'd follow me around. And so I've got this picture of like all these chickens like running around after me in the middle of the fireworks factory. It was neat. (laughs) Oh, so cute. Yeah. No chickens were harmed in the making of this episode. Yeah. So Nat, you've talked about pyrotechnics for tours and sporting matches. What would you do for, let's say, a smaller show, uh, like a like an award show? Yeah. Um, so I think it would depend on the size of the venue and the restrictions you had there as well. Because if a lot of the things you can do at a big event, you can bring down into a small event. So the flames, you can use them inside if you've got the ceiling space to do it. Uh, you can also get these units that do like a cold spark effect. So they can be run inside because they don't they're not hot. They're not an actual mm-hmm. pyrotechnic. They're just a special effect. That's like a nice silver fountain of sparkles that comes out silver titanium, depending what you want to call it. Um, and you can do pyrotechnics inside as well. Like you can have, if you've got the space to do it and you've got the safety distances, you can have what might be quite cool at an awards show. Cause it'd be rigged up and safe and out as a way you can do what's called a waterfall. It's like those mm-hmm. shimmering ones that all kind of fall down rather yep. than, if you were doing stuff on the stage, you'd need to make sure everyone was out of the way and safe. But, yeah, you can still – anything you can do outside, you can bring inside. Yeah, cool. Okay. And CO2 cannons? Yeah. Mean? Yeah, you can use them inside. Um, they're quite loud probably I think is the mm. difficult thing about them sometimes. But, yeah. Actually, no, we did we did a launch a little while back for a, a New Zealand telco. They were rebranding, um, not naming names, but you probably know who it was, and – yeah, we were inside and we had CO2 jets when they did their big announcement to like give that big wow factor for everyone because they were like, whoa, it's all awesome. coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And what about confetti cannons? 
Oh, yeah. Confetti. Yeah, it is a thing. I've spent a lot of time doing confetti, actually. (laughs) Um, I love coming in and making a mess. Uh, Yeah, so confetti (laughs) inside, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, You can get different types. You can get paper. You can get, like, um, metallic-y, plastic-y stuff. We're definitely trying Mm -hmm. to move away from that a bit more now because it's not so great for the environment. Um, But, yeah, confetti is great at awards ceremony. There's different ways you can shoot it as well. You can have it in, like, a shot where it, like, goes and kind of pops out. You can do streamers as well as confetti. Um, yes. You have machines that are blowers, so they like blow it up in the air and whirl it around. And mm, then you can also cool. do sort of top-down drops where they sprinkle down more slowly without the infrastructure on the ground. Yeah, I guess you need to. Um, yeah, yeah, you need to consider if it's going on stage or the audience. Yeah. It's not, what's going on stage, it needs to be still safe. Or even just where you want it to be, like you might, whether you want it on the crowd or whether you want it on the stage, because you can do different things with it. Yeah, that's very cool. This is food for thought, I tell you. Mm. This is very cool. Okay, I need, to, I need to think about, think more about incorporating these into my events. Yeah, I think just dream big. Like, you know, if you've seen it on something else, go, is that something we can do? And find someone and ask them. And maybe they'll go, that was a bit hard on what you're trying to do in here. But maybe they'll go, no, I can see that. Let's give it a go. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, that's a great idea, but we suggest this product yeah. for the type yeah, of Yeah, we definitely, definitely do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I said, I'm worried. I've now told you all how to go online and find the pyrotechnics database. And I'm going to get someone come to me and be like, I want these 20 things. And I'm going to be like, that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> all these I educated want people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, a, and, a, and I have a, a, a little event for 20 people. That's, that'll work, eh? No, no, it won't work. Depends on your budget. What's your budget per head? Yeah. Now, where do you see the pyrotechnics industry heading in the next two to three years, you know, post-pandemic? Uh, yeah, where do you see it heading? I think we're still just picking up post-pandemic. Like, I don't think we're back at where we were before or where we're going to hit to with that height. Um, I don't – I think some of the things I'd like to see changes. I think I'd like to see Mylar, like the plastic confetti just phased out. Like, I don't I, – I know it's sparkly and it's pretty, but we don't need to be doing that anymore. Um, this – yeah – different things you can do to achieve effects. I also think there'll probably be some artists that go back the other way. You know, they've done some tours and events that are really big and then they'll come back and go, oh, I'm not doing any of that. Let's just do go back to basics or something. People might start doing that. Hope not. I like my job, but yeah. yeah. But then also I think, I think humans do really like spectacle. They like, wow. So I don't think it'll ever go away completely. Um, I think there's some um, – innovation coming as well like there's a couple of projects we've got working on that I don't think I can really talk about which is a bit shit but we're definitely looking to kind of change the space up a little bit with how we do things for different artists that want to do things in different ways it's really vague isn't it but like yeah it's there's some cool there is some cool stuff coming I can tell you that watch watch this space that's awesome and just thinking about um sorry this is a bit off topic but was pyrotechnics one of those things just coming out of the pandemic? Was pyrotechnics one of those things that, you know, could be done because it's – how do I explain? You know, obviously with lockdowns, with restrictions in, in audience sizes, yeah, was pyrotechnics one of those things that could could happen because it was, I don't know, for everyone to see? Does that make sense? Like, 
I think in theory it could have been, but I think in practice because there was less people coming, there was less money, mm. so they cut it because it's often the first thing to get cut in your budget because you, you know, you you probably need a stage, you probably need lights, you probably need sound, maybe you need video, mm. but do you need the special effects? Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah, they're fun though. It's the, it's the cream on top, isn't it? You know. Yeah, can be. Yeah, that's super awesome. Now, where do you get your inspiration from? You know. Um, other events, social media, blogs? I think just, yeah, watching, watching, seeing what other people do and, like, I like it when you have that collaborative environment where you're talking to someone, you're like, oh, what are you thinking? You're like, oh, well, what about this? And what about this? And you kind of, like, go like that and you snowball off each other and you get this crazy idea and you're like, okay, now how will we do it? Now, what would you say is the biggest challenge for the pyrotechnics industry right now? Oh, uh, freight. Like, freight it's so expensive it's just like mind cripplingly cripplingly obscenely expensive sometimes to get stuff sent from a to b and it's just it makes it really cost prohibitive for some people to do anything because you're just like cool i bought the product and then well i've got to pay now the same price four times more just to get it sent to me and it's it can be crazy sometimes how much that is um and then i think also like it's finding it's the same as isn't every under finding good people, which isn't specific to pyrotechnics, but it's finding people that can do the work that you want the way you need the right attitude and everyone, it feels like everyone's just really struggling to find good people. Yeah. Capacity, right? Mm. All right. Yeah. It's a good insight about freight. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, with a lot of stage or lighting or gear, if you if you travel, there's always a local supply. But what specifically you do, there's specific people who create this, who make these pyrotechnics, right? Yeah. So some places in the world that you can get it really easily in it, there is a local supplier. But in little old New Zealand especially, no one's really making much in New Zealand. And so you do have to get it imported in, which means you need the time as well. You can't just get it imported overnight. Uh, you need an import permit to get it in as well. Yeah. Oh, when we're talking, I know what we yeah. forgot about. Um, when we were talking before about licenses, I talked about the licenses I need, but you also need a permit to have the display as well. So that's another application that you need to do to work safe as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a uh, do you have a wallet that has heaps of cards in there that says I have a license for this and that? Yes and, and no, that? because in the UK you don't need a license which I thought was crazy. I moved here. I was like, okay. what do I do to convert my license? And they're like, what license? Your driver's license? And I was like, no, my, my pyrotechnician's license. Do I not need one? And they're like, no. And I'm like, it was crazy. But then in America, <laughs> you need a different one for every state. In some jurisdictions, you need a flame license. In some jurisdictions, you need uh, a CO2 license. Like, So the way we get around it when we're touring is you'll have, I've got a local license in like every country in Europe. And so a lot of what I do in the UK project managing is you'll get in touch with all these locals beforehand and you'll send them all your documents and then they'll go and speak to their local authorities and get you all the permissions you need and get everything signed off. And then they come down to site and they bring the pyro to you on site because you can't always just truck it over borders. You need different drivers, different licenses, but that's a very European kind of thing in New Zealand. It's all just, you go and talk to live effects and they import it and they bring it in for you. And Yeah. This is fascinating. Nat, what event are you most proud of and why? It doesn't need to be the biggest gig you've ever worked on or with the most famous artist. It could be something in uh, your hometown. But uh, just, yeah, what 
what's one gig that you're most proud of? I think the one that springs to mind, and it, it is a big artist, but it's not because it was a big artist. Um, it was probably the first big event I did when I moved here in um, 2019. And I'd started this new company and they'd given me this huge show to do. It was um, at Hyde Park. So it was like loads of people and stuff like that. But I, it was with equipment that I hadn't really used before with some computer software I hadn't really used before. So I had to spend the two weeks beforehand, like learning how to use it and teaching myself and learning all of these pieces to put them together. And I was like, I know I can do this. I've just got to like knuckle down and work it all out and get it to go. And I did, I did all of that. And then I got to like shoot this pyrotechnic show in Hyde Park for an artist I used to love as a teenager, Robbie Williams. And it was just like, I thought it was really cool. (laughs) That is so cool. Yeah. Must've been pretty chuffed just working through all that. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was like teaching yourself to lots of software to get a gig out the doors. I think it's what we do in this industry. We're all like so focused on making sure that the event happens and that people have a good time. And yeah, you will you will do a lot to make things happen. That's it, you know. And you want to make sure that all those people are having a good time. You know, yeah. I think that's that what's that's what drives us in this industry. That is so cool. Man, Robbie Williams, far out. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He's really yeah. nice, actually. Yeah, lovely guy. Ah, did you meet well, him? He said hello to us in the hallway, like, but yeah, everyone says that he's always really nice and yeah, says hi to people. Oh, that's awesome. And just outside of outside of the industry, Nat, what's your favorite thing to do to relax? Um I like reading, I like baking, um, a little bit less relaxing, but I also really like skydiving. Yeah, that seems like not relaxing, but I can understand why that's It's just so nice to go and do something else and like be outdoors and be with your mates and jump out of planes and do silly shit in the sky. (laughs) Yep. This is, you know, something you, you, I'm sure you know about me, but um, trail running. Yeah. And, uh, you know, waking up Saturday morning, like, you know, five o'clock and then getting out into the forest and be running by sunup. People go, that doesn't sound relaxing, but it is. It's something totally yeah. different. Yeah. And um, yeah, you're in the woods, no phone. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I like hiking as well. Yeah. And it's just nice being out there. Yeah. Nat, what is the single most valuable piece of advice you would give someone starting out in this event industry? Um, I think, I mean, I've been prone in the past for saying like, don't do it, but I don't actually believe that. Like it can be a hard industry. So definitely think about why you want to be here. But I think the piece of advice that I would like to give is actually a piece of advice you gave me once um which is remember the sun is always shining above the clouds and like so it's like if you're having a bad day like there's still other stuff out there don't let it get you down there you go yeah appreciate that it's all right that's that's don't know if you remember giving me that advice but i often think of it oh Oh, there you go that's amazing nat who is one person you'd recommend I chat with on the podcast? I reckon you have a chat with Bernie from The Last Supper. Talk to some catering people. The Last Supper? I don't know yeah. The Last Supper. Should so I know they The Last do, Supper? They do all the catering uh, for a lot of the rock and roll or like the big touring shows that go through uh, Spark Arena and the stadium shows and stuff like that. They also will do little small bespoke catering stuff, but could be interesting to have like a different maybe not as technical, but they're still involved in events. They still play a really important role, making sure everyone's fed. Yeah, Bernie's really cool too. Yeah, if you can put me in contact with Bernie, I'd, I'd love to yeah. chat with him. 
And finally, Nat, where can our listeners find you and your work? So I'm at Strictly FX UK, um, so based in London. We've also got a few offices in America. But if you were looking for some New Zealand-specific pyrotechnics and special effects help, I'd say go talk to Brendan and Steve at Live Effects. They they do a great job out there. Awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna try and reach out to them and see if actually Brendan will up. talk your ear off. Brendan and Steve, and they'll be able to talk because they've done film stuff. They can talk more about actual explosions as well. And Brendan, oh, you know how else you should talk to? You should talk to Woody Health and Safety. Um, he's done a lot of stuff or, um, uh, what's her name? Briley. Briley does health and safety as well. They'd probably be quite interesting people to talk to. Um, okay. yeah. Um, quite a few years ago, <laughs> quite a few years ago, we did this gig. It was an, um, it was for a university and they were, um, it was the opening of their science building, science faculty, science building. And, um, and they wanted pyrotechnics. I, I, and I can't remember who it was, um, who we worked with, but there was flames, right? It's pretty yeah. awesome. And and those little, whatever it was, flame thing was hiding behind some drapes. So you're looking at stage, it's like, oh, and this is the building. And they're, they're kind of behind these like op drape, you know, meter yeah, high yeah. drapes and the flames went up, right? And we're chatting with the fella, you know, he's got the button and we're like, oh, so else, what else do you work on? And he goes, oh, working on film. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. And we, we just made this clearly ill-informed joke. We just said, um, oh, so it must be um, pretty easy. You can just um, do another take if you don't get it right and he goes yeah but if you're blowing up a, a, a truck you only got one going <laughs> yeah and i was like yeah yeah so i remember um, i was having dinner with steve one night on site and he was telling me about the biggest explosion he's done which is uh in one of the x-men movies you know when wolverine's running away and the barn explodes yes so that wasn't a prop that wasn't a miniature that was a whole fucking barn <laughs> and he could tell you like down to the gram what they used to do it like yeah Amazing. Yeah. Far out. Yeah. Yeah, see, that stuff's, yeah, like you said, it's not just, and I say, I don't want to say not just, but just there's pyrotechnics in my mind, like, yeah, yeah the footy and, yeah. and New Year's Eve, but there's that in the films. That's like, yeah. And actually, I'd love to learn more of that. I'd love to learn what's involved in actually blowing something up the right way to do stuff. But it's like life's too short. You can't learn everything. And yeah, I mean, I you try, but yeah. You need to kind of like the stable part and then, Slow branch out, but yeah, that's far out, man. That's so funny. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. To all of you, our wonderful listeners, thanks for listening. And as we always say, Nat, we'll see you on the next one. See ya. If you want to hear more from the event debrief, please consider following us as well as sharing it with the people you know. It will really help us grow the channel. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram and simply search for The Event Debrief. Feel free to send us a message. I like it when listeners say hi. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and as always, thanks for listening.